Hello, I am Jesse Kester, and it is my joy to introduce my co-host, Naomi Beatty. Hi, I'm Naomi Beatty, and this is my sidekick, Jesse Kester. Woo! Woo! I will get it. I swear to God, I will get it someday. Um, is that enough of the intro music? I think we I can... Think so. It's a little... It's a little much. All right, Fade. Fade. That it's very out. exciting. It is. I'm totally amped up now to talk about movies. How are you doing? Wait, don't even answer that. We'll get into that okay. one. Um, let's 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 do a quick uh, precap, shall we? Today we are reviewing the film Chappaquiddick, mm-hmm. and then um, I will be pitching a film called Michelle. Oh. Uh, and when we talk about Chappaquiddick, we are going to talk about the uh, the thing that I dislike the most is the news montage. Mm. We got one of those. So let's talk about spiking the lens, if we may. Sure. Uh, family, the monologue is here to strike again, and it's not from Vin Diesel. Uh, there's the beautiful ignorant we that I'd like to talk about for a little bit, and uh, thought provokers is here on my okay. on my list. Then after we do all that, you are going to get a little bit academic on all of our uh, batuts, uh, and we're going to talk about how to approach adaptations for a bit. Yeah. Um, but before we get into all of that, and maybe a little bit more here and there. Did you have any emotions in this last week? And if so, which was the dominant one? I did. Ooh, ooh, ooh that's exciting. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say the dominant one. What's the emotion where you feel really productive? Um, ooh, what, motivated. What? I felt what? motivated. Is that an emotion? No. I felt, um, gosh, all... I don't know. Overwhelmed? We, we must be great writers as we plumb the depths of our mind for this adjective that should be blaringly obvious. I just demonstrate emotion. Ah, beautiful. <laughs> I hope that if we have listeners, I mean, since we have listeners, I hope they will be generous enough to suggest what may sure. be this emotion, this nameless feeling. Maybe My, they can give me a menu to choose from ah, for that next That would be time. delightful if we had a little emotion menu. Yeah. I know mine. Mm-hmm. Go for it. It was uh, in Penetrable depression. Wow. Yes. And I'd love to tell you more, but we don't do that on okay. this show anymore. <laughs> All right. You can email me personally if you want to know. Are we good for the intro? I, I don't know if you are. Let's see. I'm good. <laughs> Was that a cry for help, Jesse? No, 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 no. Okay. It's it's okay. It was uh well. Uh, we'll get into it some other time, but okay. we will. We'll, it, it, if we do this long enough, it is inevitable that you will uh, understand the tapestry of my mind. Okay. And that's a big part of it. Okay. Without further ado, it's time for... The Talk. I was going to keep going until you were done sipping. I wanted to give you a chance Got it. to drink as much as you wanted. Oh, it's, um, it's, I'll tell you why. It's the one year anniversary of my wife and I applying for the visa. Oh. And we're still just like banging our heads Waiting. on the walls. Yeah. And that should be a reminder to all y'all out there in Movies the Podcast land. Register to vote and vote or I've got words for you. Yeah, not and to, not to tease our... Are thing that we don't tease at the very end, but it has to do with this, with voting. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I will shut my... See, this is why we don't <laughs> explore the emotions at the beginning, because we don't want to be redundant at the end. <laughs> I, the, the depression was penetrable. It felt yeah. impenetrable at the time. Sure, but all as I it needed, does. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the trick of depression. Exactly. But we're not here to talk about things that actually matter, <laughs> like contending with depression. We're here to talk about that Ed Helms film, Chappaquiddick. 
Funny you would call it an Ed Helms film. That's just the name that's at the front of my mind. <laughs> I, or Jim Gaffigan. Sure. Um, I, what was the name of the lead guy? Uh, Jason Clark. That's the one. That's the one. It's a Jason Clark film. More it is, but but Ed, Ed Helms had a had a large role in it, as did Jim Gaffigan. So. As uh, we'll get all into that under spiking the lens, that was very much on my mm, mind. Okay. But before we do any of that, would you be considerate enough to summarize the film just a just a hair? I will. I will give you a logline that I looked up online. I've got a logline <laughs> that I wrote after watching you it. You did. Okay. Yes, let's, but let's, let's hear the compare. good one so first. This one is the the plot details the 1969 Chappaquiddick incident in which Massachusetts Senator Ted Kennedy drove his car off a bridge, killing his young female passenger, and the Kennedy family's response in the days that follow. That's a that's a much more respectful summary than mine. Would you like mine? Sure. A powerful white man almost faces a consequence, but then decides he'd rather not. (laughs) It's not a bad summary. (laughs) All I got from the film. Before we get into all of the smart stuff, did you like it? Um, So I didn't dislike it. I, I... I feel like like is a little bit too strong. Usually the movies that we're going to discuss, I will watch them twice just to make mm-hmm. sure I understand it thoroughly. This, I think, is the first one that we've chosen where, I, and I hadn't seen it before, I watched it my first time and then didn't feel like I wanted to watch it again. So I didn't dislike it enough to turn it off, but I didn't like it enough to watch it twice. It's very much in that lane of once is enough. Yeah. The only reason when you landed here today, I was rewatching it was it was, it's been two weeks since I've seen it. And Mm. I wanted a little bit of a refresher before we jumped in. Yeah. Um, so what, how would you rate it on a one to 10, just as far as your liking, your like scale? Do you want me to talk prefer, personally or professionally? Personally. Personally, I give it a one, just a straight. Yeah. I think I liked it a little bit more than you. I I was probably at a four. Professionally, I was at a four or five. Mm. Like there, there was enough. If I have to use my, my intellectual brain, there was enough to carry it, but just, I don't care about white people in movies. <laughs> I just don't care. They're fine. I know they're fine. I've seen enough white people that I know we're 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 doing okay. Got it. So yeah. straight away you're at a disadvantage if that's So I think that one of the reasons that I that I wouldn't rate it a one, that I did mm-hmm. like it a little bit more, um, even on a just a personal level, is um I think it's one of those movies that even though the movie itself wasn't super entertaining to me or super engaging, the things that made me think about were interesting enough. So that afterwards I was, or even during the movie, cause I wasn't that <laughs> drawn into the movie. I was pondering other things. I was pondering sort of the bigger, you know, um, subject matter that it was, that it was related to and how it relates to current events and, and all of that good stuff. It did. It, it did. It does relate to current events very well. Uh, I watched this the Friday after the Kavanaugh hearings Mm -hmm. and that might've lowered it from a two to a one. It was just so, I was so exhausted after watching Kavanaugh get everything he ever wanted in his little heart. Yeah. Um, despite X, Y, and Z that I didn't need to see a film about, about this. Yeah. What did, what big, uh, ephemeral spiritual world questions did it open up in your mind? Where did you drift to? uh, Well, I mean, I, I found it interesting to think about, um, how little we've apparently evolved and changed and grown and progressed, even though we like to believe we've, we've grown quite a bit, um, you know, as a society or as a, as a culture. Um, you know, 
I, I also thought it was interesting to think about the difference in the attitude of people who were experiencing that event when it happened um, in the late 1960s versus the people who were experiencing, say, the Kavanaugh events now, right? Mm -hmm. Like my reaction to the Kavanaugh events is complete bafflement that anyone could be on, could be on his side as far as putting him on the Supreme Court. But, you know, had I been alive in 1969, I, I, don't know how I would have felt. It was just such a different time. I feel like the attitude towards Ted Kennedy was just so, so similar to what it is today and, and so much more acceptable to me if I had been alive at that time, you know? As, yeah, as far as like their, their cachet is so high, as far as a political family mm-hmm. goes, I feel like there was kind of like a blinding love for the whole family. Yeah. Faults be damned. Right. That, um, and it's, it's hard for me to share that blinding love having not grown up in it, sure. but like the, the admiration of Jackie O, the yeah. trauma of yeah. the assassination, that this was a shared experience right. and there, there's this national closeness that I have no, no and, connection to. And I think that's one of the things that they did well in the movie was sort of conveying the fact that, um, the average person in the United States at that time, we'll just say not everyone, obviously, but the yeah. majority of people wanted the Kennedys to be their sort of the, the family of the nation. Right. Yes, and, to, yes. and to kind of like, they wanted the Kennedys to, st- to sort of be this shining example of what America was and yeah. what a, um, an American family was or whatever. And it's sort of like that, that hero worship that we have yep. more for other celebrities now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but we certainly don't have that for, Kavanaugh, you know what yes, I mean? So, yes. Well, half of us seem to not have that yeah, for Kavanaugh. Unfortunate, but yeah. yes. Um, and, and it made me think about like, do we, is there, is there half the country that not by the popular vote, of course, but is there half the country who, who feels that way about the Trumps? They're, do you think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really? They think they're Kennedys. It, that baffles me. It. That's, um, we're way off. We're way off now. But <laughs> totally I, are. This is just a political show now. Yes. But I mean, well, here's the thing is you, this is what they made. Like they, I think those were the questions on their mind is, is do we hero worship our politicians? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's a valid question. And, uh, I don't have an answer except that obviously, yes, we do. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, it's such, I'm so mucky on it all. Like every inch of my bone marrow has turned yeah. to sludge yeah. uh, in, in America politics. And then to watch this film and realize, oh, that sludge has been there all the time. Yeah. It's, so, it's, so that's why I thought the movie was interesting, mm-hmm. get, getting me up to the three or four on the rating. Right. Yeah. But, um, but as far as a movie goes, which we, maybe we should talk about, um, I felt like it was fine. I, I, it, it was sort of, Okay, they did everything. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. Technically, it felt very perfunctory to me. Yeah. The shots were in focus. Was there any flair to it? Sure. I mean, you know that I don't typically, like, think about those things as I'm watching a movie. I'm thinking about the story and, like, the emotional journey of it. And I actually thought they did do a nice job of um, kind of hanging this narrative on the struggle of, you know, take away the fact that he's a Kennedy, take away our reverence for politicians, but the struggle of one man, uh, between his, his loyalty for his family to his family and Mm his, um, sort of feelings that he has to kind of toe that party line versus his desire to create his own future and be who he wants to be. Right. And, and ultimately a tragic ending where he decides, no, I'll just go along with the good stuff. You know, that's, 
I think you're overplaying the film's hand a little bit, <laughs> at least from my perspective. When here was here was a big problem for me. The the um the 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 stakes, like what he did, mm-hmm. he murdered a person yeah. while drunk driving. Right. Um that's more rotten than what I can relate to. I can't be like, yeah, yeah, that guy, he just killed one person. Drunk. <laughs> you can't get all your panties in a twist over that. And what he had, what he risked, the first sentence out of his mouth after he murdered a human was, I'm not going to be president. Mm-hmm. Like what, what he lost was so abstract to me sure. that I wasn't riding with him at all. Then Bruce Dern has his thumb on him the whole time. But Bruce Dern is like this wretched spine bent crypt keeper ghoul sure that i'm not like man i really want to get in good with that i really can empathize with his need to connect no, to that I know, but in the movie they like i was saying they did do a good job of of showing sort of coming at him from all angles from the the average human being your average you know citizen on the street to the his family members to the people who worked on his campaign or mm-hmm. worked on his family's campaigns like they were all they wanted him to be a, th- a thing for them. And yeah. he didn't know if he wanted to be that thing or struggled with, you know, and again, yeah. you know, tiniest violin in the world. Right. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. still, I, I thought that they did a good job of sort of building the narrative on that conflict, on that um, dilemma. And what I'm saying is that when you murder a person, all that stuff is so <laughs> tiny. Sure. Absolutely. And that is probably where the movie loses you or yeah. loses me. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I totally agree. It, Like, this isn't a choice from my perspective. He's not... What he's hemming and hawing about is insane. Sure, sure. And and I totally agree that that is where... That is where the mind starts thinking about the bigger issues mm-hmm. because you're not engaged emotionally in the story as much as you could be, right? Yes. Because you're, you're sort of like, okay, I see your emotional dilemma and... I don't, I I can't understand, you know? And I wished, I really wished that they had made it about the sociopathy of the whole machine and not spent the first 20 minutes trying to build him as an empathetic character Mm. to the audience. They really did a lot of legwork on showing him in the shadow of his brother and him wearing a back brace and he'll never be the boater that the family wants and needs and he'll never, he's ninth in the polls like he's not the candidate that they want I kind of love that conversation where he's talking to his dad and he's like, uh Jack was the handsome one, and whoever Bobby was the smart one. What am I, the dumb one? And I was like, "Well, he, yeah, yeah, he is." <laughs> well, you're not acting very in you know counter to that right now. Yeah, buddy. and you murdered a person while drunk yeah. drive. Like, yeah, you're not. You are effing up, bro. Yeah. You're yeah. not. You're yeah. not batting a thousand right now. Right. So I guess what for me, what's m- most interesting about the movie was the things that it made you think about in mm-hmm. relation to where we are, where we were, you know, yes. um, how we still treat women, how yes. we still treat politicians and celebrities and that type of thing. But the the story itself was sort of like, I was kind of curious about it because I had heard of Chappaquiddick, but I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not that you should get all of your historical lessons <laughs> from yes. movies. But I was curious to sort of understand a little bit more about yeah. what the incident was. So it's good for like it's the first paragraph of Wikipedia. Sure, <laughs> you can watch a movie instead right. now. Right. Um, the the spike in the lens. Let's talk about them. 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 Uh, Ed Helms and Jim Gaffigan fellers. Yeah. How did you feel about two uh, 
comedic actors in the in those roles. I felt like these were the washed up dregs. Like you, King's Speech or whatever, the big Oscar historical films, you'll always have a couple comedian, one comedian in the bit mm. part who's trying to show that he can be an actor actor too. And this felt like them trying to prove mm. that they're real actors, but it was such like a kind of flat film that mm. there wasn't really much for them to act. And yeah, there wasn't a ton for them. You're right. There wasn't a ton for them to do kind of like acting wise. I, I did think Ed Helms did a really nice job with what he had, which wasn't a, a lot. It was sort of him being like the, the, the sort of like kick to the side cousin who was trying to, you know, trade on the Kennedy name a little bit, but yeah, no, I did watching it the second time. I did like how he was trying to angle that he was a brother and not really a cousin. And that right. there was right. And I think that character is sort of interesting from a plot function point of view, which is, you know, showing this, he, he changed the most, right? Like he was sort of the changing character in the story. He at first was trying to position himself as a brother, mm-hmm. a Kennedy brother. Right. And then by the end of the movie, he was like, I'm done with you guys. I don't like what you're about. I'm out of here. But again, this was a cover up of a murder. Well, so like, it's sure. not a big what? decision. He Somebody made. shouldn't it's, change because of that. But it's not like, it's not like he really went up against the system and just showed his metal. It was like, he did the most absolute basic level of human sure. behavior. But I think that character without that character, this movie would have been totally the um, the point of view that you're that you're sort of railing against, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least with that character, it gives us a um, a sort of uh, moral barometer to yeah. to understand. Oh no, they're not saying this was all okay. They're saying like this is a world in which this happened, and these characters all thought it, you know, behaved a certain way and thought it was okay. And here's the one guy who sort of represents how we probably feel, which is like, how could they do that? How could they get away with it? You know? But he, he sure kept helping them for every time he helped them and said, I'm not doing this anymore. He'd be sure. back in 10 minutes doing it a little bit more for the, anyway, anyway, it's, anyway. That's just how powerful the Kennedy family is. Yes. It, uh, and alluring. I don't think this film communicated the power or the allure of the Kennedy film by focusing on the, the dopey, the, black sheep of the family and his <laughs> I think it's, misadventures. It probably is harder to understand if you don't have some, like if you're not old enough to sort of understand yeah. some degree of just what the Kennedys were. How, how were large the they States. loomed yeah, exactly. in, our, in our collective culture. I mean, you know, it's kind of the, it, they've been referenced as like the equivalent of the royal family, right? The, yeah. you know, the American yeah. equivalent. Yeah. And so. that I do understand. I don't share the feeling. I, I can intellectually sure. right. flip that switch and say, okay, I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't get it. Get it. Right. I don't know you the don't feeling. Feel it. Yeah. And I've never, I don't think we've had a royal family since them yeah. in this country. Right. Um, so I might not ever get it. <laughs> well, I mean, are you discounting the Kardashians or? <laughs> well, are you talking Kylie? <laughs> Just kidding. Or I wait, don't, I don't I know. Don't watch That's that not show. a Kardashian, is it? I yeah, it is. Okay. It is. <laughs> Look at me go. I'm so, I'm so tuned into the zeitgeist. Um, would you, ignorant we, I've got something nice. Can I say something yeah, nice about course. this film? Um, I thought we have been saying nice things. No, uh, not I. Okay. <laughs> a long stretch. I liked that they didn't show us what happened between the crash and mm-hmm. when uh, Kennedy is walking back to the cabin. I like 
and through the rest of the film, that's an issue of of what did happen. Mm-hmm. He, does he know? Was he so knocked out of his gourd from hitting his head on the steering wheel and just saving his own life that he actually doesn't remember that hour? Was yeah. it so traumatic? And I did. I really liked how they they uh, that that was a, a central part of the story and of mm-hmm. the. Uh, and I like it when films are careful with. Uh, withholding information mm-hmm. and it's it's very often that a film will withhold information it becomes twee or precious or really affected and mm-hmm. I, that that makes me puke and that's the worst thing I do in my scripts and it makes <laughs> other people puke when I do it but this one withheld information beautiful yeah and I think you know again just to like think about it from the perspective of like what was the, what was that purpose in the screenplay mm-hmm. like what were the writers and the filmmaker trying to make that do to us. I think for me, at least, you know, not having all the information, it's like you couldn't, nobody knows exactly what happened that night. Yeah. Right. I mean, the people who were there both dead. So you, by, by playing it that way, um, giving us some information and not others and then putting out there some possibilities, but, but never confirming things, you know, I think it helps you sort of buy into the idea of like, there were people who were supporting him and who were on his side and who believed his version of the story. And then there were other people who were like, that can't, that can't be, you know, he obviously was a drunk driver and whatever. So I think it helped kind of create that, um, feeling that the story wasn't black or white. So you couldn't make that easy, you know, um, choice to sort of villainize him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's, I agree. That's what I liked about it. <laughs> See, I can I can have a warm heart every now and then. I have a question. Can I ask you? Sure. Do you have any thoughts about approaching adaptation <laughs> from an academic perspective? Uh, sure. All right. Then let's get into this section where I zip my lip for a little bit and I listen attentively as you share wisdom beyond what I could concoct myself. All right. So uh, specifically, I think we should talk about... Um, how to approach adapting real life events, right? That's kind of what we're looking at in this movie. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of aspiring screenwriters struggle with because A, they want to adapt real life events. There are so many events that are inspiring or interesting or, you know, too wild to believe. So they want to turn them into movies. That makes a lot of sense. And having some real world basis for your story um, can be very appealing to you know, industry types, producers and whatnot. So uh, it's something that writers want to do and it's something that they struggle with, I think, because, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure, especially if you are inspired by certain real world events, there's pressure to do them justice, to honor them in your story, to, um, you know, convey the fact of the situation and not take too many liberties. But you're writing a movie. So at some point you have to sort of say, you know, I have to write the best story that I can using these events and, and, you know, bless you if you are trying to be historically accurate. I think that's a great and noble, um, you know, thing to try to do. However, when you're adapting real life events, you are, you're doing the same thing that you're doing if you're inventing events for your story, right? You are coming up with a series of events that convey a point of view, um, a takeaway message. Some people call it the theme, right? So you want to think about what does this story mean to me? So for instance, if I were writing this movie, um, Chappaquiddick, I might think, you know, I want to tell this story because I want to talk about um, how people in power can get away with anything. And we 
everyone else who's, who are not in power, we're the ones who let them, right? That might be my point of view on the story. I don't think that was exactly the point of view that was in this version of it. So you can see how taking the same events, you could, you can use the same real historical events, but because my point of view on those events is different, the story, the way I string them together and the way I frame scenes and the point of view that I tell the story through, that's going to affect, you know, the ultimate sort of what's it about message that's coming through, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, you don't know this, but <laughs> I love learning things that I don't <laughs> no, no, no. know. <laughs> Just before I came over to record, I, mm-hmm. um, I crowdsourced some examples in the screenplay lab, Facebook group. <laughs> I should have been on it. I got to keep a closer I, eye. I knew you weren't. So I, I okay. crowdsourced some examples of movies that cover the same historical events, differently, right? That are two, that are two different movies. Just so we could think about like how, you know, my version of telling this story of these historical events would be different than yours, right? Just based on what they mean to me and the thing that I want to convey. So, um, can I jump in yeah, for just one second before we get on that? Sure. Uh, if I were redoing this film, if, if the perspective I would take is that uh, he is a, a bone-chomping villain, not that he's an empathetic character. That's mm. I feel like the biggest misstep they took was we were supposed to feel for him. Sure. Could not, would not, yeah, on so a see, train, wouldn't, could not, would not on a plane. <laughs> but see, so your version of telling this story would yeah. be totally different. Who would be your hero at that point, do you think? Um, no one. It would be a a black hole of misery. Well, so who would be the character that we were following to sort of, um, get the, get their perspective on the events? Would it be the Ed Helms character? Would he take more action? It could, it could be, and he might be more of a watcher seeing this whole, seeing just how deep the, the malevolence goes in Mm -hmm. this family. But let's not get into that. Let's get into these crowdsources. Okay. So I thought these were really good examples. So, um, First They Killed My Father, which is the Angelina Jolie movie, mm-hmm. uh, and The Killing Fields. Have you ever seen either of those? No, I no. don't. So they're both about the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, right? Okay. And um, Angelina Jolie versus Roland Joffe. I think that if you you know, looked at those two movies side by side, you would see that the perspectives on those stories are different. I think one is told from the point of view of um, a Cambodian family mm-hmm. uh, who's experiencing the, you know, the death that's been going on around them. And the other is told from the perspective of, um, some journalists who are covering the events, right? So two different points of view on the story. It's going to give you two different sort of emotional experiences, takeaway messages of the movie. And I think that in approaching, if you were going to approach, um, adapting real life events into a movie, that's the first thing that you probably want to think about is, um, what does this, what's, what does the story mean to me? And what's the sort of big, what's it about idea to me? Because that's the thing that you're going to use to sort of decide which events are going to be, which plot points, um, you know, how your characters is sort of going to experience the, the series of events, how it's going to challenge them, all of that good stuff. Right. Okay. So just a few more examples, because I think these are interesting to think about, uh, both from Clint Eastwood letters from Iwo Jima, Iwo Jima and Flags of Our Fathers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a huge... The, I call these diptychs. Oh, interesting. The, the two films, when you when you put them yeah. side by side, they become one piece of art together. Yeah, so he... I mean, I've actually never seen these, which I totally want to now, but mm-hmm. they're both um, about the Battle of Iwo Jima told from... One's told from the perspective of American soldiers and one's told from the perspective of Japanese soldiers, yep. which yep. is interesting. Uh, the 
the movie JFK, Oliver Stone's mm-hmm. movie, and the movie Jackie. And there are a ton of movies told about the JFK assassination, right? Yeah. So yeah. you could choose any that you want to in that category. But I thought these were two were interesting because it's like one from, it's a sort of a conspiracy movie, right? Where they're trying to uncover the mystery or the conspiracy of what happened. And then one that's just purely the emotional experience of having gone through this terrible tragedy and trying to like hold your family together in the yeah. aftermath of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Two totally different takes on the subject matter. Uh, First Man and the Right Stuff. Yep, 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 yep. (laughs) Uh, Both about astronauts. Um, I mean, the same. Anyway. Uh, Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Both Mm -hmm. about Wyatt Earp, really. Yep, yep, Um, yep. Dillinger and Public Enemies. And Capote and Infamous, which are both about um, Capote. So, anyway. I'm trying to think if there are any that I can think of. It's such a specific question Mm -hmm. that you can't blame me for not having these at the front of my mind. Well, that's why I crowdsourced them. And I was very pleased that within about 15 minutes, I had probably 40 different examples. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you for for your insight. I did like a lot of, of what you had to say there. What didn't you like? Uh, I think your protagonist was a little milk toast, and I just don't care about white men. That's fair. That's fair. Um, no, it was the, the 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 best story wins, and accuracy is noble. Were kind of the two main takeaways from that. Yeah. That, that it, it it is a big question. Like, how it, are you doing a disservice to the truth of the story by telling non-truths about the story by lying about what happened? Yeah, and I think you know it's such a. It's such a dividing sort of issue, divisive issue. People, you know, I mean, and I, I don't even have a clear answer on it. Like you, I would, yes, I would want you to be as historically accurate as possible. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you're not going to make an engaging movie if you're not putting the story first. I don't think. Yeah. And I think if you want to go for accuracy, I think Ken Burns has laid out a pretty good (laughs) format that you can follow. Yeah, Go the documentary route if it's really about getting the facts out there accurately. I I was worried that I'd be sweating out my forehead when you uh, did your adaptation, uh, approaching adaptations perspective, because I've got a pitch. Excellent. And uh, it... I was not sweating. I was thinking, yeah, I'm okay. Oh, I'm okay. We got a lot to talk about. Right. Is it okay if we get into it? Yeah, let's do then it. Then it is time for... The Pitch. See, I got a little bit yeah, in there. Yeah, it's like it's still a breaking bit. a bit. <laughs> and we're getting closer every day in every single way. Stress. Every single day, stress comes in every way. I ain't got no time for nobody. My style is fat... Dope, sick, in which we'll make a cake today that looks rich. That was a good pitch. The end. (laughs) Today I'm pitching level three of Parappa the Rapper, the video game for the PlayStation 1. Perfect. All right. Now let's talk about Michelle. Can we? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, There's a lot on my mind as as I'm diving into adaptations for... This is the second adaptation I've done in my lifetime. And the big question is... The big question on my mind was like, what do you change? What do you keep? Mm-hmm. And how do you keep from saying, but that's not what happened when you're pitching and getting feedback. Right. So what do we do? Like every time I say, but that's not how it happened. I owe you five bucks or something like that. Is it forbidden or I think, do you get like three f- per feature? So I think if you're in an actual pitch meeting, you mm-hmm. never want to say, but that's not what happened. <laughs> okay. Um, because you're pitching a movie. Yes. So... Yes, it was inspired by real events, and maybe you are trying to be historically accurate and good Mm -hmm. for you, but 
you know, tell me a good story. But then there's that thing where like um, people don't always act rationally and they don't always act rationally by the like they don't always behave as if they were on a Blake Snyder beat sheet. So you get you will end up with questions like, well, why would that person do that thing? Sure. And then the answer really is only because that's what they did in that situation. Yeah. You might not have information beyond that. Sure. So. But that's the information you have to invent so that you okay. don't lose your audience. You know? Oh, I see what mm. you're doing there. <laughs> it's called writing. <laughs> Well, let's give it a shot. Um, The title is Michelle spelled M-E-C-H-E-L-L-E. Okay. It is a human's name, Michelle Vincent. Is that name familiar? No, not at all. So I'm excited to hear. Um, Let me give you the the most uh, overstuffed logline in the history of humankind. Okay. Gracelessly written to boot. (laughs) Okay. after being denied relief against her former her former employer, Meritor Savings Bank, a young African American woman in the eighties, Washington D.C. area, takes her case to the Supreme Court, exposing the most painful and private details of her life on a national stage, while fighting to change the legal and public understandings of sexual harassment. Mm, interesting. And this is based mm. on a real case. The incident started in the late seventies. It made it to trial in the early eighties and nineteen. Uh, 86 is when the Supreme Court made their decision. And I'm okay. not going to tell you what that decision okay. was till the very end of this film. <laughs> any, any questions so far? Anything? No, I think it's very interesting subject matter. Very, uh, this is one thing that, that I think is key when you're doing adaptations is finding what, what about the, um, the source material, whatever that may be, is what about it is relevant to today, to audiences today. And so I think that it sounds like you have some good stuff in there that's yeah. relevant to the times. Yeah. And, and a nice underdog character, mm-hmm. uh, even more so of an underdog in the 70s and mm-hmm. the early 80s. How did you find out about this story? That's an excellent question. I spent a couple of that I don't have an answer to. I'm <laughs> going to tell you the story and hope I remember midway. Okay. I was writing another adaptation. Uh called Axeman, which would have been an adaptation about my grandfather's career as a corporate Axeman. And that might come up later. It's, he, he was the guy who would fi- come in, cool. consult, and fire people. Mm-hmm. Very uh, a colorful character. Interesting. Um, but it, it was getting nowhere because I couldn't figure out my angle. So I started looking up like, uh, um, yeah, I was Googling uh, landmark sexual harassment cases because mm. I wanted to find something that was in the, what's in the front of my mind anyway mm. these days. Um, and this one came up and I, the more reading I did, the more I was just like fascinating, fascinated mm-hmm. and invigorated by the, by the story yeah. and, and going through the documents and we'll get into all that. I think that's great. Yeah. Really, really. Well, I can't say too much because I'll give away the ending, okay. won't I? Okay. Um, so start out on a, a naive, young, wide eyed 19 year old. She is, she was a, a high school dropout. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's looking to get Michelle Vinson is her name and she was looking to get her first job. So she goes to a bank and asks, um, Oh, uh, Sydney, Sydney Taylor, Taylor is the manager that she asked if she could get a job. Sydney gives her an application and hires her the next day. Uh, the first three months of this job go swimmingly well. He's very attentive, very careful in training her, treating her really, really well and welcoming her to the team of tellers in the bank. Three months in, though, he invites her out to dinner. She says, yeah, sure. Why not? After dinner, he invites her back to the hotel room. Um, smash cut to three years later. Um, uh, she's made assistant bank manager. 
Uh, but a cloud hangs over her head every day she's going into work and it, there's, there's a darkness to it all in, in her, in her spirit. Mm-hmm. She takes some sick leave. Uh, then she takes more sick leave. Then she takes too much sick leave and is fired. Mm-hmm. And she comes back with a lawsuit against the bank. Um, oh, and quick introduction of her lawyer, Patricia Barry, Patty Barry, we'll call her for this or Patty for short. Okay. Um, and she's, she's bringing sexual harassment claims against her, uh, manager. Okay. And is this sort of the, that's the break into two where she's now yes. pursuing yeah, yeah. This is act okay. two. Excellent cool. guess. <laughs> I'm myself, either I'm pitching well Was or you're really good. <laughs> Um, so now we're in the, in the beginning of act two and we are seeing the, the lead up to the trial, uh, the, on what her testimony will be. And this is mostly told through her perspective with Mm -hmm. the bank as the villain, Mm -hmm. um, collecting the testimony, uh, Patty coaching Michelle on, on how to behave on the stand and how to express her case. Um, then we go, the trial begins. We're in it. She's got, uh, some, Co-workers who are willing to t- let, let me tell you what charges she's levy- levying mm-hmm. against the bank uh, that that her manager uh, sexually harassed her that they had a uh, sexual relationship she did go back to the hotel with him that mm-hmm. night and they did have sexual it's all you know there's that that murkiness and that's mm-hmm. why we skip those three years mm-hmm. is because I want there to be that murkiness of uh, what what did happen. She claims that he raped her multiple times in the bank vault, that he would walk in on her while she was in the bathroom, that Mm. he would fondle her in front of other employees. And she had other employees who were ready to go and testify at the the district court about what she was claiming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who who would support her story? Yes. Who who had either witnessed it? Yeah. Or Or had their own experiences of having been sexually harassed by the same manager at at the bank. So the trial begins. Um, and the trial is a disaster. The district judge uh, just railroads the case. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to hear any testimony. He doesn't want like the the testimony that they've collected uh, never gets spoken in the trial. That he dismisses it mm-hmm. all because over those three years, her performance reviews were consistently excellent, and she got promoted uh, in congruence with with her excellent performance. Mm -hmm. So the judge asserts that because her career was not impeded by the sexual harassment, Mm. there's no sexual harassment case to speak Mm -hmm. of. He dismisses Mm -hmm. the whole thing outright. Um, so Michelle loses her case on all counts. Like the whole thing is just, uh, completely railroaded Mm -hmm. by this judge. Um, and now she has to make a choice. uh, Patty lays out the options. You can take this, this verdict of, of no, of no trial Mm -hmm. and, uh, let it be, or you can appeal. And if you appeal and it gets shot down again, then you have, uh, you've cemented your loss. You Mm -hmm. it's, it's not going anywhere on a public stage. You are the loser in Mm -hmm. this case that it's ignored. And you've set a precedent for this being shut down. Right. And is this the sort of midpoint or this is yes. Yeah. 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 Um, or, Option behind door number two, <laughs> uh-huh. you can continue elevating this through the Court of Appeals all the way up to the Supreme Court, putting your private life in front of the public eye, mm-hmm. dragging your family with you, knowing that the bank is going to do everything it can to obliterate your reputation, to humiliate you in public, that this is going to be a, it's so destructive for your private There is no private life if mm-hmm. you want to appeal. So you can either be shut up and other people can be shut up with you. You can 
appeal it and lose the appeal, mm -hmm. in which case you're not just shutting you up, you're shutting future people up with the same situation. Mm -hmm. Or it goes all the way to Supreme Court and your life is horrible mm -hmm. after that. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think Michelle does? I'm guessing she chose to push it forward through the She did! She appeals! She appeals! Oh, look at her go <laughs> and... Um, The court accepts her appeal. Mm -hmm. the, the The appellate court says, "Yeah, yeah, this was completely inappropriate for the the district court to railroad this case yeah. to not even hear testimony. That's yeah. that's completely misreading. It's uh, called Title VII, which lays out the the rules of sexual harassment, mm -hmm. and they say that uh, the district court interpreted them poorly." Mm -hmm. Um, then the bank appeals the appeal because that's what you have to do, mm -hmm. which bumps it up to uh, the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court. So as this is all happening, of course, the spotlight is hotter on her and mm -hmm. hotter on her family and hotter on the relationship that she's trying to keep together, not mm -hmm. with the bank manager, but with mm -hmm. her actual boyfriend who she cares about. Right. And the, the heat's on her now as, as this continues to climb and climb. Continue. Any questions? Are we doing okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I have a few comments. Do you, do you want to hear them now or do you want to finish the, out the act three? What do you want? <laughs> Let's finish out the story and let Let's me do see that. where you go. All right. Uh, the, the trial is a brutal mm -hmm. because of course it is because the bank knows what they stand to lose if they lose this case. It's on a very public stage. Um, and they're, they're, they're swinging hammer, not just in the Supreme Court, but in the court of public opinion against Michelle. Uh, but she finds the strength in her family to carry on and the strength in her boyfriend to carry on. And, uh, um, you know, the, the, the women who are following the case and who are very invested in her success continue to talk to her in public, meet up with her, just see her out. And uh, there is encouragement in the yeah. world for her. You ready for the conclusion? Yes. <clears throat> the Supreme Court votes nine to zero in her favor. Wow. An absolute victory. Nice. Uh, no questions asked. That so let me ask you a question just because I'm, I'm not that educated in how this judicial I, system I, works. So. Just a quick note to our listeners. Also, I am not that educated <laughs> in how our judicial system works. I've learned, this is what I've learned over the last two weeks, but hit me. I'll try to answer. Well, so I know a little bit, yes. and, but not enough, clearly. Um, so when the Supreme Court votes in her favor, does that mean that she gets a new trial or does that mean that they they have uh they have tried the case and they find in her favor and the bank loses after that she and the bank i believe they settled out of court so there was no trial after that okay. but the the conclusion was so uh absolutely in her mm -hmm. favor that whatever the settlement was that would have been in mm -hmm. her favor Got too it. okay to the point that i don't believe she pursued another trial if that didn't count as the real trial. Okay. But this is something I don't know about. And hey, if there's anyone out there who knows that, just, uh, you know, holler. Um, what did this change? This changed a lot. Mm -hmm. this, there, this is a huge, huge landmark case. Um, the three main um, precedents it set mm -hmm. is it delineated voluntary and welcome. Mm -hmm. Her sexual, re her relationship with her boss was voluntary, mm -hmm. but it was not welcome. Right, right. Before this, there was no distinction that if it yeah. was voluntary, that meant that she opted in and that there was no case. Yep. Yeah. Uh, number two, the, the Supreme Court decided that sexual harassment is a form of discrimination, the same as racial mm -hmm. or religious discrimination, because it's based on 
gender. So mm-hmm. if if the boss would have a sexual relationship with a woman, but not a man, mm-hmm. then then he's discriminating. Sure. Not that he should be having. It's <laughs> I, weird. I it's, hear you. <laughs> it's very weird sure. when you get into these these legal things. And number three, um, one of the big things was the bank was saying they weren't liable mm-hmm. because she didn't feed it up the food chain that she was being mm-hmm. sexually harassed by her manager. Um, and they were saying that because of that, we don't... Because they didn't know about it, so they yeah. couldn't be held accountable They couldn't for be held accountable for it. their employee behavior. The Supreme Court decided that uh, employee that the, the company mm-hmm. is absolutely responsible for mm-hmm. the behavior of its employees, mm-hmm. whether it knows or not, because, for example, in this case, the person that she would have been reporting to was the person who was sexually harassing mm-hmm. her. So you got this right. wall that she'd be, she right. could go above or off to the side yeah. of him if she needed to, but... Direct, like the, by the guidelines, the right. person she should have been reporting to was uh, the was, pro- was the problem. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it created a situation where the they said, the, "You guys are liable. You right. can't just shrug and say, but we didn't know,' and you're sure. off the hook." That's a really interesting. That's a really interesting area that I think <clears throat> I won't touch right now. <laughs> but um, but I will say of those three uh, precedents that it set, the first one is the most interesting to me, and I feel like the most relevant to today. And if mm-hmm. it were my project, I would focus on that because I think that that is a really, really interesting distinction to make that people still don't understand Mm -hmm, entirely. mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that is where you could take this, um, this historical subject matter and actually draw a really nuanced sort of, uh, parallel to what's happening today, you know, versus just the, because I think the, the story itself, yeah, I can see how it's relevant. Like, oh yes, it's a story about, a you know, it is a landmark case, but it's a story about a woman who's been sexually harassed and who fights for her rights and and, and comes out ahead. Great. But what makes it really the, like the actual interesting angle on it is that it created our understanding of the difference between voluntary and welcome, welcome, yeah, yeah. which is something that we are still questioning and yes. battling today. Yes. Right. Yes. So I, I really like that angle on it. Uh, my, my comment as far as, as far as like kind of the structure of it is, uh, twofold. I have two things to say to you. Um, one, I, didn't hear it in your pitch. I'm sure you have one. Um, putting a face on the bank would be helpful so that it's not just big, the cabal anonymous of lawyers. Bank. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because yeah. we want to know, like, sort of, uh, we just want an antagonist to kind of, like, carry us through the story, right? So um, either the lawyer for the bank who's advising the manager who's on, you know, who she's levying the charges against or whoever it is. I want to know who that person is. You've got a good one in Sydney. He's a very charismatic. Per- he was a very mm-hmm. charismatic person who was a like a neighbor, a community organizer, and very active oh, in raising up yeah. the you know from from the poor section, bring them into the bank, mm-hmm. uh, groom them, get them jobs, get mm-hmm. build them up in the community. Which is all interesting stuff to explore. I think because you were calling the bank the antagonist, I wanted to yeah. see who who was it that was fighting that fight you know like give me the person i would say sydney with uh, a cabal of lawyers had helmed by the you know a a very cunning but so who is i mean it's interesting to think about um just in terms of the the function the story function that you need Mm -hmm. right who is it that's actually in charge on that side of things because sydney's not the one calling the shots yeah yeah yeah. he's a he's a he's a he's a great um uh character and he's a great person to to uh, to 
tool for that, yeah. for whoever is actually in charge to wield because he's yes. charismatic and he yep. has a good yep. track yep. record and all that stuff. So yep. you're actually giving some ammunition to the antagonist side, which is great. Uh, but I still want to know who, who is taking action on the antagonist yes. side. Don't have an answer for you today, yeah, but I okay. love this story and uh, <laughs> it might keep her all rattling around. Yeah, good. I, I really think you should. I mean, like I said, I, I think that that specific angle on it is really, really interesting and timely and and uh, great idea to explore. Um, and then also the other thing was, I know that you have thought of this because you, you hinted at it, but um, it's going to be very, very important to really dig into her stakes, especially in the first mm-hmm. half of that story. Um, you're going to have to establish them in Act One, but then really show us those stakes, like sort of, you know, being challenged and and wrenched around and stuff in the first half of Act One, so yes. that so that it's not just a documentary about yeah, this yeah, event. Yeah, that yeah. Happened. Here's it's, what happened next. It's yeah. showing us the human. Uh, experience of it. Yes, yes. I, uh, the human experience. Let me jot that down. <laughs> um, but other than that, you were right. I do think that the events play out in a way that lend themselves nicely to the three-act structure. They do. <laughs> um, I think it's an interesting choice to not show us the actual events in Act 1, you mm-hmm. know, to make that three-year jump. Uh, it does have a little bit of mystery to it, so we're sort of curious, you know, um, what's what's actually going on once she decides that she's going to file a lawsuit. So I, I'm, I'm willing to go along with that. I'd have to kind of see how it played out to see if it felt yeah. jarring. Um, but I do like the little bit of mystery that you're then going to unfold through some of the interaction with her lawyer. I think that's a clever device to make that work. Right. So it's not just recounting what we've already seen. Um, I think um, parsing out the information of her story, like her, her version of the events, mm-hmm. uh, will be a challenge, but, you know, not more of a challenge than any other screenplay has with any yeah, other yeah, sort of yeah. thing, but, um, but that'll be a challenge. Um, and I think having other women who corroborate her series of events w- is helpful because you can then show different people giving sort of different, um, takes on the events, even if the facts are the same, like, you know, kind of giving us a little bit of narration about like how things were and whatever. Um, uh, I think something that you didn't say Uh-oh. because you were talking about, I don't know, these are just the thoughts that came to me as you were pitching. Um, you talked a lot about it being told from her point of view. I forget that you're thinking while I'm pitching. I'm so yes. busy trying to keep up with what I'm supposed to be saying <laughs> that I can't imagine there being uh, like bandwidth to think at the same time. Please tell me what I'm, you were. Th- I'm juggling all the information you're giving me. Um, so you said it was going to be told largely through her point of view, which I think yeah. is, is good. Um, I mean, I think it'll be effective, but um, I am a little bit curious and I would want to, I'm sure that there's room to get this in there, even though it's from her point of view, what he says was happening. Like, did he say it was totally consensual with all the women he was working with or? He said it never happened. Oh, he denies whole whole cloth, all of it, every last bit of it. I think, I think in stories like this, that, um, that deal with, you know, a set of facts in fact, there's a very telling quote from him. Okay, hold Please. on. Yes. <laughs> I think stories like this that deal with a set of facts and then much like Chappaquiddick, right? On top of that set of facts is also uh, a bunch of agendas, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I think that showing his side of things and the bank's side of things is actually a very interesting part of the story, like because it gives you a good villain. Yeah. But, but also, you know, if... 
sort of, I think the more you can like not heavy handedly feed us what happened, Mm -hmm. if you can kind of show both sides of it. And I don't mean that trying to make him sympathetic in any way, because it doesn't sound like he was, but trying to show why it was so difficult for, I think the court to sort of make a decision on it will help us understand that they weren't also villains. Cause I don't think they were right. The court or was the court totally in the bank's pocket. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think, mm-hmm. well, this is going to be in my something, anything else. And I'm super amped to talk okay. about that, but um, <laughs> I, I don't feel like the court, the district court was actually like, fuck this little black girl. We're siding with the rich white man. Like there were mustache twirlers. And I don't think you want them to be that way in the movie. So you want to sort of show how they could logically come to the conclusion that they did, even though, and because that's sort of the tragedy of it is like, we had a certain set of beliefs as a society or whatever Mm -hmm. that allowed them to come to this conclusion. Right. And, and what you're saying is that we need to, all of us change our perspective, change our mindset so that that's not the conclusion that's drawn. Right. So you want to show, you want to be a little bit more even handed than just like she was in the right the whole time and everybody was against her. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's much more complicated than that. And our legal system is much more complicated than mustache twirling villainy. Sure. Right. And that, that was it, very inspiring stuff. We'll get into that, I promise. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more, actually, that, yeah. that, that, that would be that it's it's more fun, more interesting if the court isn't evil. Mm-hmm. And if the bank only has Sydney's information to go on mm-hmm. for what Sydney did, and Sydney does have an investment in protecting Sydney's reputation, yeah. but he also might not have. The, there is ambiguity. The only mm-hmm. two people who testified are mm-hmm. are uh, Sydney and Michelle. Mm-hmm. So it ends up being a he said, she said issue, yeah. which is calm. It's, it's difficult from a legal perspective because when you make a decision as a judge, you are setting a precedent. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I think also really driving towards that first precedent that you were saying, the, um, forgotten the terms now, uh, consensual and uh, voluntary and welcome voluntary and welcome. Yes. I think that that is the interesting issue here in this story. And so I think the more you can kind of like, show how that is the issue and mm-hmm. how we have, you know, at that time people thought about it in this certain way yep. and why that needs to change or why it needed to change and is continuing to change. That is really valuable kind of story stuff to put in there. And, um, and, you know, a lot of kind of the, the unfolding of the events that actually happened and everybody, everybody's varying accounts on the events. Yep. If yep. you can yep. help it kind of, point towards that issue. Yeah. You, does that make sense? Then I think that that'll be an, a really interesting story. Cause it's not even like, um, he said, she said, I mean, it is a, he said, she said, but it's not even like, uh, well, if he would just admit that it did happen, mm-hmm. then we would know, you know, then it would be a black or white issue. It's sort of like, you know, at some point you might even have him talk to lawyer, somebody, right. And say, well, here's what actually happened, but that's not illegal because it was consensual or what, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. so that we understand it's like, it's a, it's a point of view thing and it's a, it's a, um, you know, it's a acceptability thing that needs to change, right? Sydney was married at the time, so mm-hmm. there would be a certain level, I would assume, of him not saying, yeah, you know, it did yeah. happen, whatever. Right. Like, at some point, though, in the story, he can confide in his lawyer yeah, and yeah, say, yeah. listen, 
I, I denied it because I don't want to lose my wife and my yeah, family yeah. and I have a lot to lose in my life. I'm a, you know, a respected person a in the community. Of the community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's what really happened, but that still doesn't make me a bad guy, basically. Like, that's you I know think what I mean? a very beautiful storytelling tool and one that I think is underplayed with is the but I'm not a bad guy because of it. Like, and we all do that. We've all done, we all do it all the time, especially when driving, but I'm not the bad guy in this situation. Uh, and, and I think that that is something that I'd like to see more of in cinema. And this would be a great opportunity. Yeah, I think it's a great story. So, so many, one of the themes I think of this, uh, this month of adaptation is what I've been calling telling details in my mind. Mm. Um, I feel like that's just part of adapting. Mm. There's, uh, uh, we, I don't know. It, there's a, a magazine interview with Sydney, and he says, I've never had sex with the, with her. I, I don't even know if she's a woman or a man <laughs> that there's always got to be like, and that's when I thought like dude's guilty Yeah. when they, when, cause there's always that like attack on the, the femininity of the person. Yeah. Like the, like I'm going to, I'm going to debase her on a, on a human, right. on a, on a gender level right. on a public stage. It's just like this inherent humiliation that yeah. has to come out. All yeah. the time, time and again with these, but it's yeah. happening then, happening now. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it makes me uh, tootin' angry. Well, I have often thought when we do these these mini pitch sessions on the mm-hmm. on the podcast, I feel bad because I feel like you only get sort of my initial reactions to your story. Like you only get my kind of high level. Okay, here's everything I can think of yeah. right now. But if you. I extend Food's the best when it just no, lands no. on the table. It's still <laughs> no. hot. That's... I extend the offer to you. If you decide to work on this story and develop mm-hmm. it into an outline, I would be happy to talk to you about it more thoroughly and talk about how the story works. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is always, there is this desire to to do more with most of these pitches. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a strong foundation and I don't feel like on any of them we've explored the we've we haven't maximized the possibilities yeah. of any of them. Well, we haven't gotten into like the the mechanics on a like a, a twenty thousand with level. great difficulties. <laughs> yeah, we haven't broken them down. We tend to talk about them from like the forty thousand yeah. foot view, yep, and yep, yep, yep. like it's just going to be more helpful if we can get even lower to the tree line. There will let's get more feedback from the audience <laughs> okay. and see like what they might want and when they might want some deviation yeah. from this format. Oh, I didn't mean to do it on the. I just meant you personally. Oh. If you decide. You want oh to work my. on the story. I wish I had a tie to straighten <laughs> with uh, with excitement on that. On that. But yes, yes, let's keep this one. You, you, that's the first time you're like, yeah, let's let's talk about this off. No, there are other stories that I've liked too. Um, this I, one hit a nerve. I, it, I no, think. no, no. Well, yes, I do really like this. The idea for this screenplay. Um, it's good. I've, it's solid. I've had this thought before. Like, oh, I feel bad that I'm just giving you my like gut reactions to things without really digging into how we can fix it. You ought to feel bad about your contributions (laughs) to this show. I want my money back. Full refund. (laughs) Um, Are you anything, something else? Something else? And let's get into, and first let me say a sincere thank you for your feedback. Yes, of course. Um, And then we will get into... (laughs) Something, anything else. Oh, that's oh. a nice, that was a nice little version. I'm, I'm worried that there will be a day when I can't think of a new way to say <laughs> these same things. Uh, what have you got for us? So this week, my something, anything else. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a little, little background on this first. Um, I have not always thought it important for myself to vote. 
Ah, because yeah, here I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly why. Because I I cannot wait for your character (laughs) arc where you change by the end of this story. You you saw it coming, huh? Uh, No. So I I am I'm not the most well informed person when it comes to politics and um, candidates and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. So I have long had the strategy of um, you know what I'm going to let people who are more informed than me do the voting because it would just be me screwing things up coming in and voting willy-nilly and who knows what I would do and you know <laughs> the machine what? explodes <laughs> you're not doing it right um but see in the current um uh, status quo mm-hmm. I feel like that strategy has not served me well mm-hmm. yeah so my something anything else for this week is a uh, website it's called uh, vote save America. Okay. And it's a voting guide. You can put in your address Mm -hmm. and then it pulls up all of the things that you get to vote on Mm -hmm. and it gives you the, you know, pros uh, and cons. cons, And if it's a candidate gives you their background and what had their voting history and, or their, you know, their history on um, issues and whatever. So anyway, this is my new favorite thing and, uh, I am reading it thoroughly. Have you, have you stumbled on the name Greg Wessner yet? Or Wessler? No. Okay. So, uh, on the propositions, there's like the pros and cons columns. Mm -hmm. And then there's always like, for more information on the pros, contact this organization, like, uh, Mm -hmm. no more prop org or we love prop com. Um, but then there's this guy, Greg Westner or Wessler, I forget what it is, but he's always in the con column, <laughs> but there's no follow-up information. There's no way to contact him. So it's just like, it ha- just I, contact Greg. Yeah. Just call, <laughs> figure out where Greg is. I imagine him in this little shack up on the hill going, like, I hate prop tool. That's funny. I'm going to find out who that is. Look now. up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's reading about local politics is the most fun you can have, uh, with your pants on as they say. <laughs> Jeez. Is that what is that the right time that's, to use that expression? That's, that's exactly the right time. Can I say something on voting? Sure. And on that that attitude of of yours, which um, I understand. Let's put that front and uh-huh. let's put in the back. I also despise, but let's put <laughs> sure. it in the front that I understand it. I get it. Here's the thing. Um, when the average, I want everyone to vote. I want 100 percent of eligible voters mm-hmm. to be a participant in our democracy, in our republic. It's not a democracy. Um, we don't have that. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we have half of the eligible yeah. voters coming out in the pres- the big, sexy presidential right. election. Uh, if you... that The message that sends is that more than half of us don't have 30 minutes to register to vote, fill out our mail-in ballot, yeah. and drop it in the mailbox. Well, that message... Yeah sends a loud and clear, like, well, we don't care to the politicians. And they have daily, they have every day, they have lobbyists banging their door down, taking them out to lunch, flying them to Cancun. So if we can't spare, if the individual citizen can't spare 30 minutes every two years to contribute to this republic, I understand and I agree with their decision to work in the interests mm-hmm. of the lobbyists who are there daily doing the work. If 100% of the people who voted, and I mean the Republicans, the Democrats, the independents, mm-hmm. if 100% voted, we could curb the baloney 
the majority of the baloney that's happening by showing the people that we elect that we care about who's in that office mm-hmm. we send the message that they work in our interests not in the corporation i put it squarely on the citizens the mess we're in i do not put it on the politicians i don't put it on the lobbyists i yep. put it on the people of our society so i took the blame i yeah. said it was oh, my yeah, yeah, yeah. you're cool <laughs> you're cool you're in you're in the club all right register and uh see you on november 6th yeah. i'll be waving american flags like a maniac um but please 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 citizens of american america participate in the democratic process because that's what like that's what you have that's what we have as a people and if you forgo that then it's cool like it's cool if they sell out to the corporations you said you're cool with it we as a group said we're cool with it so it's cool you don't get to piss and moan yeah it's a good point um so i'm right there with you noted and i'm I'm happy i'm very happy that that you are you are taking that i care you don't have to vote on everything sure you can just vote on the senator that you believe in and ignore all the propositions and ignore but show up at the poll show that you care about this process because it does matter yeah um agreed and i'm not lobbying for liberals i'm lobbying for us as a group as a group it's that's what it's based on can i give you something (laughs) yeah you want to lighten it up you have something else yes court documents are awesome yeah i already knew that they're so cool (laughs) to read some of our best writers are judges yes one of my favorite things to do is to read um judges opinions they're incredible they're well written they're concise they're opinionated but all opinions are explained well reasoned yeah 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 it's just beautiful to to read court documents and i encourage everybody to have a little have a little fun with it get into it i almost ran out of highlighter ink just (laughs) focusing on all the beautiful sentences that are written read your court documents it is so ordered (laughs) here on movies you can get them on amazon or at your library Mm -hmm. they have um a few books i've read that um compile kind of like historically um you know monumental um Mm -hmm. judges opinions and you can get them in a bound version carry it around with you and that's that it it was really reinvigorating uh for me to think about our government through the eye through the lens of court documents because the majority of these thousands and thousands of judges we have in america really care about the law they care about the people they care about understanding the law interpreting the law being clear and concise about the law like they there's a lot of care and love Mm -hmm. put into these documents that doesn't it doesn't make it onto Fox or CNN right, right, evening news. Right. I don't know if concise is the right word. <laughs> I'm, what I mean a is lot there's of them are no, really long. There's no chaff sentence mm, by sentence that sure. each sentence is yeah, yeah. to communicate a specific point. Then you're on to the sure. next point. And sure. not that it's short, but be, there's a lot to think about. Yeah. There's a lot to, in every issue, there's a lot to, to document and to think about yeah. and to reason. Yeah. Um, so that's my something. Cool. That's Reinvigorated. Awesome. Very after Kavanaugh, after Chappaquiddick to be reading this case and to be reading the writing of the judges who were yeah. involved in the case. Really, like there is something here that is worth going to those gosh darn polls and voting for. That was there the conclusion I came to. So. Awesome. I feel very uplifted after you want to hear you want to hear a Freddy Krueger song. You want to <laughs> yeah, round it do. off with the. There are nine of these stinking movies. We are just getting one today. One verse on uh, the remake starring Jackie Earl Haley as. Um, Frederick, Frederick von Kruger. (laughs) 
<laughs> the third. So here we go. We're going to ride out on this, and we will be back next week with with what? We're watching the Virgin Suicides, Ooh. continuing our month of adaptation uh, topics. Yeah. So give it a look. See. Yeah. We'll be back to talk about it in in not but seven days. <laughs> And oh, uh, any if people liked what they heard, where could they find you? <laughs> oh, you can find me uh, at my website, which has a blog. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. uh, writeandco.com, W R I T E A N D C O.com. And, 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 oh, yes. for me, uh, <laughs> just. Get your little butts over to moviesthepodcast.com. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. We done love them five-star reviews, so just <laughs> click away. If you have anything less than a five-star review, you know where to find us. Please take it up with us personally via email. <laughs> uh, but do not do not rank us five, four stars or one star. Talk to us. We're, we're here yeah, for you. We're here. We want to hear the feedback. Uh, I have a question, just an honest sure. question. Are you sad that you are no longer Naomi Boo? I, I, I will be 100% honest with you. No, I'm not. Okay. Well, <laughs> but I do like your song. I do like your song. So don't, don't take that as an insult to your creativity. I'm gonna I, go I like your song. Really? Naomi Booty was not the, the zenith of my creative oeuvre. I'll, I'll take it. Take it off with the, I'll, I'll take it into account. All right. Here we go. Last Freddy Krueger song of the series. And then I guess we'll release the MP3. It's 11 and a half minutes long. Nice. <laughs> Plot summary. I think you should. Lucky you, you audience. Here we go. <laughs> Goodbye. This Platinum Dune's coming back for you with the contrast boost and the attitude But it's not a good sign when the opening credits have opening credits over the opening credits That's a clear shot fired right across the glade The decisions weren't a thing that anybody made It's a scattershot splatter pop cat scare spookathon Happy it's the last and we all can be moving on I'm a fan of scary films, asterisk caption They're really only scary if some empathy happens Relatability is the top and the bottom line And everybody here looks like a model for Calvin Klein Isn't a drop of charisma to speak of Just six pack abs and a blood in a cup. I'm not complaining, and I'm not Dragon Fist, but every 20 minutes they change the protagonist. Dean then, Chrissy then, Jesse then, Nancy, the rope-a-dope, loop-the-loop is making me antsy. I don't give a shit when they land on the gurney, doesn't help that our high schoolers look about 30. Jackie or all Haley does more than just scowl, he can mumble, he can grumble, he can grimace and growl. Our new Fred Krueger sleepwalking through all of it, nine is the worst of them all, I'm calling it. Remember.